and welcome to the Latter-day Saint Women podcast, where we share the legacy of women of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. You'll get to know the faithful women who shaped our past and hear from inspiring women of faith today. I'm Carly Guyman. And I'm Shailen Back. We're your co-hosts. And we are thrilled to welcome Sister Reina Alberto to the studio today. And Sister Alberto, thank you for being here with us. It's a pleasure for me to be here. Thank you. We've been looking forward to this, and it's really... We have. It's fun to get to talk with you. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> so to briefly introduce you to our listeners, Sister Reina Aborto is the second counselor currently in the Relief Society General Presidency. She was born in Nicaragua and was baptized a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in California when she was 26. And we'll get to dive into more of your story and more about you on the episode, and we're excited for people to get to know you better. Thank you. You were called in April 2017 to be the second counselor in the Relief Society General Presidency. And in previous conversations, you shared with us some of the assignments that you have as a general officer of the church, which is so neat to learn about. And it was actually quite a long list. Quite extensive. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is. <laughs> and to give just a couple examples uh, for our listeners, you're on the LDS Charities Board of Directors. Um, you're involved in the Book of Mormon Video Library Project. You're on the Temple and Family History Exhibit. Executive Council, just to name a few. And we would just love to hear from you more of what some of those responsibilities are. We'd love to know kind of what your day-to-day looks like on a typical day, and then what are some assignments that you have or committees that you're on that are particularly meaningful to you? Well, right now, as we all know, things are done differently Mm -hmm. because of the pandemic. So I usually stay home. I come to the office maybe once or twice a week depending on what kind of meetings we have, but I usually stay home. But we are basically busy from 8 to 5 with some meetings in the middle of the day and some breaks sometimes. And it's amazing how the Lord's work continues. He hasn't stopped. Mm-hmm. And in fact, we have even more international assignments right now. And in the past, we only traveled outside of the United States like twice a year to a specific areas, but now we are having meetings with sisters all over the world because of technology. Continuously. Yes. So that means that sometimes we have meetings in the evening, going to have a meeting with the Philippines like at five in the morning for us. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, sometimes <laughs> yes. probably really early. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, and uh, we are also participating a lot in, during the weekends with the apostles in the, what is called priesthood leadership conferences, which they have, you know, in the United States and they invite us to participate in those so we can help with the leadership instruction of leaders, stake leaders usually, and sometimes like stake conferences and devotionals with the youth and with the sisters, with the members. I get to participate in many that are done in Spanish because of my language abilities. So we are busy. That's we are very so wonderful. busy. It's pretty amazing the kinds of opportunities that we've been a little bit forced to explore. And mm-hmm. it has just brought so many new ways to communicate. And you'd think that things would have slowed down for you, but little you bit mentioned of an evolution. that it's didn't. pretty busy and even yes. more busy in a lot of ways. Yes, it's, it's beautiful to also look back and see all the things that have been happening lately, you know, in the last few years to prepare for this. Right. Not only for us to keep doing our callings, but also for the communication that we can have with people and the different ways that we are doing things. And even the Come Follow Me that is centered in the home. Mm-hmm. You know, how the Lord was preparing us, the focus on the Sabbath day, mm-hmm. the focus on doing things at home. We have been prepared for this, and but now also we are, we are learning new things, and we just need to be sensitive and 
watchful. You know, we need mm-hmm. to watch for those lessons that we are learning. And so in the future, we just need to use this knowledge that we are acquiring mm-hmm. right now. Kind of keep moving forward. Yes. Mm-hmm. Would you mind sharing maybe a specific experience you've mentioned of these international maybe calls or trainings that was especially meaningful to you? Well, all of them are remarkable, amazing, you know, but just like Sister Eubank said the other day, just being able to see people in their homes. I really love that. I love to that when they are connecting to the meetings, you know, the sisters, you see their husband or their son or their grandson helping them connect. And that just gives you uh, this sweet feeling that people, they're welcoming us in their home and that we can actually see their face also. Yeah. Before we will go to a meeting where you had hundreds of people and you could not see the ones sitting in the back, but now you can actually see their faces. They're all I, right there yes, in front of you. Yes, we are just a few inches away. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we, you can see everything. You can see them in their home. And I love that. I know it's not the same. It's not the same as to be able to give them a hug which I love also, and it's very hard for me not to do Miss it right that. now. Yeah. But it is a different way of reaching the one, if you think about it. It's a way of reaching the one in a personal way, but different, of course. Shailen mentioned one of your many, many assignments is to help kind of shape and create these Book of Mormon videos that we're seeing released over the last couple of years. And I love that that's something that you're involved with and have an influence on. And as we were talking, you were saying that something you love seeing in those videos is the presence of women. Oh, yes. And maybe you could share a little bit about what your involvement on that committee has been like and how you feel about how the videos have turned out. I had the privilege to start participating on this as part of the steering committee from the day I was called. I remember <laughs> one of the first things that we went over was the all the different assignments that we had, and we had to kind of decide, the sister Bingham, you know, and the three of us trying to decide who will take what. And she asked me if I will be willing to take that assignment. And I thought that it was some kind of like little project, you know. <laughs> she said, week of Mormon videos. I, I really didn't know. I didn't know the what language. it was. That sounds, that sounds lovely. I'll yes. do that one. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds nice. So I started attending. And then when I saw the magnitude of this project, back then um, they were about to start filming the first season in Goshen. And when I saw the magnitude and the reach that it was going to have, I just felt humble. And I, I feel humble still, you know, to be able to participate on that. But it's just beautiful to see all the people that have been working on that and all the professionals that they have experience on, on this area, the scriptwriters, the producers, the everybody. And it's just amazing. But one of the things that, like I said, that I love is the way that women are portrayed. Because, of course, in the scriptures, we don't really have a lot of dialogue with women, but it makes sense that they were in the middle of everything. Mm-hmm. You know, they were oh, absolutely. there. And just the way that they are portrayed. And that's something that also I have been able to watch, you know, to, to when we read the scripts and when we talk about it. I know that it's part of my responsibility to make sure that we include women and, and children and youth and everybody. One of my favorite things from the beginning, I remember when I read the, the script with the stories from First Nephi, was the way that even Laman and Lamiel were portrayed. Because we used to demonize them. Yeah, yeah. I was going to use that exact word. <laughs> yes, but they were human beings. And I loved just seeing them, you know, playing with their brothers, hugging their mother, and just realizing that they were human beings. And, and I think that, honestly, in a way, 
we are more like them, <laughs> like, we are like, like Nephi, because we can be very faithful in the gospel, but sometimes we complain. Sometimes it's hard for us to do the things that we're asked to do. And even though they complained, they still went and do the, the things that they were asked to do, even though mm-hmm. they were complaining. Exactly. And I, I have seen myself doing that at times. And so they portray them in a relatable way. Yeah. Of course, They're... I want to be like Nephi, you know, and his wife. I want to be like them. But I'm a human being, and sometimes I, I forget. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I love that part. For me, that was just, I, I just said, I love this. Please, let's keep this. <laughs> yeah, the let's, complexity of yes, characters. Yes. So it's a, it's a wonderful assignment for me every time we meet and every time we talk about this. Right now, of course, we are not filming this year because of the pandemic, but still we are working on preparing for when we can actually yeah, film. <laughs> it moves forward. Yes. Is there anything else you wanted to share about any particular assignments? Another assignment that I have is that I belong to the Temple and Family History Executive Council, which is one of the three executive councils that we have in the church. And for me, that also has been a great privilege. I get to work with the three apostles in that executive council, Elder Bednar, Elder Stevenson, and Elder Renland, and also Sister Jones is there, and also other Area 70s and people from the Temple Department and the Family History Department. And, uh, and for me, it's a big privilege to be able to see how councils work in the church, how we get together. We talk about things that have so much relevance for our members, you know, and each of us come with uh, the desire to just contribute with what we can and wonderful things happen. So that is a big privilege for me. And right now, it's probably a really unique time to serve on that committee because of the worldwide closure of temples and that they're only, you know, recently starting to mm -hmm. open up to limited service that we can do there. Yes. You know, I have been able to relate to people that don't live close to a temple right now. Yeah. Sometimes they can can only go a few times during their lifetime. Mm -hmm. So I can relate to them right now with all that is happening. But at the same time, we are excited if you think about it. When they open again, we we all be so willing and so desperate to be there. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it brings a new perspective. Yes, yes. For serving uh, but, in the temple. Yes, but the thing is that covenants are always with us. We made those covenants, and we can always live with our life. So we remember them, and we try to please our heavenly Father and our Savior, and to try to be aligned with their will. And that's what the covenants help us with, you know, to be aligned with their will. Well, thank you for sharing. And I just feel like we need to say thank you for serving and for representing the perspectives that you bring, women and international perspectives. And it's just exciting to hear about your involvement in these things. Well, it's a privilege for me. I honestly feel very privileged and humble and sometimes even a little bit inadequate. But I know that the Lord calls us because he wants to bring about his purposes, and he does it through simple people, you know, and uh, we just have to be, be willing to be instruments in his hands and to know that he will help us. And that's very evident in myself because I don't feel special at all. <laughs> you know, I'm just another sister from the church, but he helps me and he magnifies my efforts. And aren't we all? I feel like we can yes. all just say, I'm just another <laughs> sister from the church, you know, And but we do all have um, unique stories that we can bring yes. and experiences that we yeah. have. Thank you. So I think 
if people haven't seen it already, they should definitely go as soon as they finish listening to this episode to a three-part video series that was done on your life and some experiences that you've had. And it's pretty dramatic. You have had some dramatic experiences in your life and some hard experiences. This three-part series on the church's website shares your experience in an earthquake and living through civil unrest in Nicaragua and through the tragic deaths of family members, through a heartbreaking divorce, and then through some mental health challenges in your family. And thank you for being willing to share such personal experiences. And it's so beautifully done. And I think so many people can relate to some or parts of the things that you experienced or that you felt at that time. Something that we thought was interesting in watching these videos again is that when you were younger, you asked yourself the question, why does God allow this to happen? These challenges, this heartbreak, this suffering. And we would love to have you share what you've learned over your life that kind of helps answer that question or that brings you peace. And I think that's especially relatable right now when there is a lot of suffering in the world. Yes, just to give some context for the people who have not watched the videos, what happened is that I was 15 years old in Nicaragua and there was some civil unrest. And, uh, you know, some rebels had taken control of part of the city where I lived. So the government, at some point, they wanted to regain control of that part of the city. So they would just throw bombs from planes. You know, they would attack that part of the city with bombs. And we would all watch that from the distance. And... Uh, that was heartbreaking for me because I knew every time they, they would try, throw a bomb, they were killing people. Mm-hmm. And I remember looking up there and thinking, why? Why is this happening? Why doesn't God stop this? And I remember that at that time I was not really upset at God, but I just knew that he had the power to stop it. And the reality is that he does have the power to stop it. But we came to this earth to be proved, just like Elder Bednar just talked about that in general conference. And there are some things that they are the, the result of the agency of other people also. And so that's something that I learned over the years, you know, that uh, many of us, we use our agency, unfortunately, and we hurt others and we create a lot of ache and pain. And, and God cannot take that away from us. You know, he respects our agency. But at the same time, we all go through hard things. We all have a story. But if we turn to God, if we turn to our Savior, they can actually give us the strength to go through whatever we are going through, but also the hope and the power to be a light for others, you know, to have that um, sensitivity that we gain when we suffer so we can help other people. And for some reason, this reminds me of what happened with Joseph Smith when he was in Liberty Jail. That at some point he also asked Heavenly Father, he said, you know, where is the pavilion that covers thy hiding place? Why aren't you helping me? You know, are the saints are, are suffering and I'm here, I cannot go and help them. And it's beautiful to see the response that he received from the Lord. He said this was going to be for his own experience and that it, it will be for his own good. So the reality is that when we go through hard things, we become stronger. There is something inside us that grows and helps us be better disciples of Jesus Christ, helps us be better helpers of other people. Thank you for sharing that. I think, especially at this time in our lives, there's a lot of people asking that question for a variety of reasons or have in the past or will in the future. And I think that's really comforting counsel to remember. 
continuing this conversation about hardships and trials, I've thought in the past about how some trials truly don't have an end in this life. You know, we always talk about overcoming trials, but truthfully, there's just not an end to some of them. And you gave a beautiful example in one of these videos about your life that there was a cathedral in Germany that was destroyed during one of the world wars. And then it was rebuilt using some of the same stones that had been stained black from the bombing and that were burned. And you likened it to how you've continued to live with some of your pain in your life, even after your life has been rebuilt. I thought that was beautiful. But when we're living with physical or emotional pain, I mean, there's chronic illnesses and addictions or mental illness, or we're supporting loved ones with these types of trials that are truly ongoing. How can we at least find healing or start to find healing? And how can we feel peace and even experience joy despite potential lifelong trials? Well, I think that some of our challenges will not have an end in this life. But once we go to another state, they will have an end. And I think that if we look at ourselves with that perspective, you know, a holistic perspective, that we are eternal beings, and this is just a small part of our existence. And the reality is that everybody is suffering from something. We all need to heal from something. So if we just look at each other, like when we meet a person and try to see that person as someone who is probably carrying some pain, then we will look at people differently. And then we will be a support to each other. I think that that's the way that uh, those uh, challenges need to help us, to realize that everybody needs help. Everybody needs comfort. Everybody needs love. And everybody needs the healing from the Savior. Like, for example, right now, the whole world is suffering from this pandemic. If we really think about it, each of us can make a long list of people that we know who are in need of hope and help. And if we could just wake up every morning with a prayer in our heart and say, okay, Heavenly Father, who can I help today? And I think that if we just have that attitude, you know, that our suffering really helps us to be more sensitive to others, then we will receive comfort and we will receive strength from the Lord if we become His hands in helping other people. And I think that just the basic concepts of faith, hope, and charity are things that we need to remember that if we had faith that God really loves us despite of the problems that we are having, that we are really loved and there is hope for us, that one day we will not be suffering from what we are suffering right now, that we will be made whole by our Savior and that He has the power to heal us and to make us whole. And also the, the principle of charity, you know, to go and help others. Then we will look at things differently and we will have the strength to go on. Thank you for sharing that. That's, That's so... such a beautiful attitude to have and hard to remember, but it truly does bring blessings when, when we're feeling those trials, but then, you know, to lift somebody else that mm -hmm. might be experiencing something similar. It really does help. Yeah. And I loved what you shared that we don't help other people or don't gain the ability to help other people in spite of our challenges, but because of them, that it yes. creates empathy and understanding and greater love and... I think that that's a really beautiful thing to keep in mind as well. And that reaching out with that empathy can really lift us in the times when we're feeling that heaviness. Yes. Well, we can look at the Savior, and he's the best example of that. He was always helping others. And even when he was suffering, he was always thinking about us and how he could help us. Mm -hmm. So always looking at him, looking at his example of how he was always empowering and uplifting people. We can do it. We have the power to do that. Mm -hmm. 
regardless of our circumstances. I think it's a really important time to be thinking about these questions that we see others asking right now and maybe that are coming up in our hearts, because I do think people are quick to ask, where is God? If we believe in God, why isn't he here helping us? And I think to dive into scriptures and the words of prophets to better understand the purpose of suffering, the purpose of our mortal experience, and to see that faith can help us and help us turn to Jesus Christ and And gain strength. The truth is that we are never alone. You know, God is always with us. The Savior is always with us. They have promised that to us. We are just a prayer away from them. And that's so close. (laughs) They are closer than we think. They are always there. Thank you. So every night we say a personal prayer with my six-year-old daughter. We help her kneel down and maybe think of a few things to say. And last night she was like, why do we have to say personal prayers every day? And I was just likening it to the other relationships that she has in her life Mm -hmm. and saying how, don't you love to just talk to your friends every day? And that really does bring us closer. And so it's really easy to feel alone in our trials and isolated in our trials, but to truly realize that we are not alone. And then it really does just start with talking to Heavenly Father to try and rebuild a relationship with Him or to strengthen a relationship with Him. It's it's as simple as a prayer that makes such an incredible difference in our lives. Yes. And even when we don't have that desire to pray, that's when we need to pray more. (laughs) You know, if we just make it a habit, and that's a good thing that you're helping your daughter to get that habit, because um, we just need to pray, even if sometimes we feel like Uh, I'm too tired, or why do I need to do this every day? We need to do it. And just by doing it, we are blessed. Thank you for that reminder. You mentioned this earlier, but I've heard you share this before, that each of us has a story. You know, we've talked about this story that you were so brave to share, but that each of us has a unique story. And you've also shared a concern that some women feel like they don't have the right story or that their story doesn't fit a mold that they should have or that they should fit into. And you've talked about that that's just not true. It's just not real that that mold is imaginary. And we'd love for you to share a little bit more about this and to maybe address those listening who are saying, no, I I really don't fit the mold and I don't feel like I belong. What counsel would you have for them? Yes, I, I have heard that from some sisters and brothers. Sometimes, you know, that they say, I don't follow the mold and I, I'm different. And I think we, each of us is different. We all have our story. And I think that maybe the reason why we feel that we don't belong, because I think we all have that, I think they call it the imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. When you feel like, I don't belong here. What am I doing here? (laughs) Especially when it's something good, we feel like we don't deserve that blessing. Maybe it is because we really don't belong here. Our home is in heaven. You know, this is a temporary state. Maybe that's why... We have this tendency, and I think it happens to all of us. And I think that if we realize that everybody feels the same way, (laughs) (laughs) then we will look at at each other differently. And I just love when we read the stories in the New Testament and in the Book of Mormon about Jesus Christ and what he did and how he called people from all backgrounds and circumstances. And many of them, their first reaction was, why me? (laughs) Why are you choosing me? Even Mary, when she was visited by the angel, she said, how can this be done? Mm -hmm. And then when she went to visit her cousin, Elizabeth, she said to Elizabeth, he saw my low state. This low person, but he saw me, but he still gave me that privilege and that invitation to become the Savior's mother. Imagine that. 
And then we have other stories like Moses. The first thing he said to the Lord was, I'm slow in speech. And then Enoch also. He said, I'm mm -hmm. just a lad. The people hate me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm slow of speech too. And uh, even Peter, we find a passage in, in, in the New Testament where the, he was a fisherman and they were having problems. They could not catch the fish. And, and then the Lord told them, try it on the other side of the boat. And they did. And when Peter saw the miracle, he just knelt down. He fell on the ground at the knees of the Savior. And he said, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. He didn't feel worthy of that miracle. And then the Lord told him, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. You know, the Lord was calling him at that moment, but Peter felt not worthy. And I think we all have that tendency for some reason. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, it happened to me when I was given this calling. So I think that we all have that tendency to feel that we are not worthy, that we ask, you know, why, why me? That reminds me of a story that they said that one day President Hinckley, when he was the prophet, he interviewed a brother to stand a calling in the church, you know, a general calling. And this brother said, why are you calling me? He said, I'm, I'm sure that if we go out this building right now, we'll find <laughs> 20 people that can do this better than me. And then President Hinckley told him, I don't agree with you. I think that if we go out this building, we will not find 20 people that can do this better than you. We will find 100. <laughs> <laughs> you know how President Hinckley yeah. was? Uh -huh. He was just... A sense uh, of humor. Yes, and, and, and so direct. And, and I think that we all feel the same. You know, to be honest with you, I've been in different parts of the world, and I, I think I have met thousands of sisters who could do this better than me. <laughs> but I think that's not the point. We just need to realize that the Lord takes us from where we are and that He came to save all of us, no matter where we are. And He will take us by the hand and He will make us better and He will make us whole one day. Uh, when we are on the other side of the veil, when we are done with this mortal experience, He will actually make us whole. And so my advice is that we just need to, to stop looking at other people like if they have the perfect life, because nobody does. We need to stop thinking that we are the only ones with problems, because that is not true. We all have problems. We all have issues. We are all growing together, and we need each other. We were not designed to be isolated. We were not designed to go through this life by ourselves. You know, we have a Savior, we have other people around us, we have our family, our friends, and, and we need each other. And we need to extend our friendship and our love to other people. That's why we are here for. I honestly believe that we are, one of the reasons why we are on this earth is to learn to love. And we cannot love if we don't get closer to people, if we don't try to get to know them and to... And open up, yes. right, about our own experiences yes. and... Yes, I think that we are more, more similar than we are different. We have more things in common than differences, you know, and, and we need to focus on that and also cherish and celebrate our differences mm -hmm. because that's what makes us who we are. And by putting all that together, then we can do better things. Mm -hmm. And you've shared with us that we have the tendency to just, you know, in talking to others, we think that they might not care about our story or they don't want to hear it or they'll only accept 
parts of us. And you've been so brave in sharing your story. And I think it's really inspiring to see the connections that that's made and that people can say, I felt that way. mm -hmm. And even though we have parts of our stories that are so challenging or so painful, like we shouldn't leave those out when we're making connections and relationships with people because that really can bring us closer together. Yes. Mm -hmm. The truth is that I feel that when we meet other people, we don't tell the whole story because sometimes it may be hurtful. You know, mm-hmm. of course, we want, we want we tell people what they want to hear. And even for me, to be honest with you, it was not easy to tell oh, my I'm story. Sure. Right? I'm sure. I remember one of our first assignments when we were called was to speak at BYU Women's Conference just one month after we were called. Yeah. <laughs> and Sister Bingham said, why don't we talk about ourselves a little bit so the sisters get to know us, you know, and so... Which we, was so great. Yes. It's important. <laughs> yes. But that moment I told her, okay, just let me tell you one thing. I don't want to talk about my divorce. Hmm. You know, we don't talk about that in my family. We just, it's in the past. I don't want to talk about that. Yeah. And then she looked at me with those beautiful eyes that she has. <laughs> <laughs> and with, with a very sweet voice, she told me, Reina, please reconsider. She said, because there will be so many sisters who will relate to you. And they will know that they are not the only ones. And I knew, I knew from the beginning that I had to do it, but I just was just, you know, resistant, yeah. resisting. But yes, I did it. I told part of my story at that BYU Women's Conference just a month after we were called. And a few weeks later, I went to South America and a sweet sister, no more than one, at least two or three came to me and they said at different times, you know, and she said, thank you for talking about your divorce because we have so many cases in my family and we all feel like we are family because of this. And I was just so impressed that even in Argentina, this happened in Argentina, that they had listened to that and they have felt like, okay, if that happened to Sister Aburto, you know, and it happened to us. Doesn't mean that it's the end of the of our story. Mm-hmm. Like that's what I tell sisters too. This is not the end of your story. Mm-hmm. This is part of it, mm-hmm. and it can refine you, but it doesn't have to define you. This is just something that will help you be strong to get closer to God if you're humble, and also to be more compassionate mm-hmm. to others. So it wasn't easy for me, let me tell you. But no. but I'm grateful that I did. And, and like I had said before, I realized that my story doesn't really belong to me. It belongs to the Lord because He's the one who has brought about miracles in my life. He's the one who has made me who I am. Mm-hmm. And so I just need to share it because I know that by, by doing that, we get closer to each other. Mm-hmm. Of course, we need to be careful how we share it, I think. We need to do it with the Spirit and in the right place, with the right people. But right, right. there is power in mm-hmm. doing that. And in acknowledging those things, there's a lot of power and you feel so much love and feeling like you're not alone mm-hmm. and that you do belong regardless of the difficult things that mm-hmm. have happened to you or even the difficult decisions that people have made to mm-hmm. feel that you're not alone. It's huge. Yes, Well, and what I love hearing about you having the courage to share your story and the willingness to share your story is that, like you said, that's just a small part Mm -hmm. of your life. And so much has happened since then. And I just keep thinking that so much beauty has come from the pain and the sorrow that you experienced. And that has to bring people a lot of hope. And so sharing from your vantage point, you know, that other people can, can have hope in your story and know that this isn't, like you said, this doesn't define me. This is just a piece of my whole story. Yes. And this, you know, the Lord knows our pain. 
He went through it. And he knows what we are going through. And that's something that needs to give us hope and strength and uh, the desire to learn from it and to try to be better and to try to be better disciples and to try to reach to other people and to bring his light to their life. Well, Sister Roberto, you've shared so many things about your personal life and the things that you're involved in now and the challenges that you've overcome. And I just know that our listeners will love to hear from you and love to hear this perspective. Yeah, and and so in this much. way, it's been so incredible. Is there anything else that you would want to say to the women of the church who might be listening to this episode of the podcast? Just to tell them that we as a presidency, as a Relief Society presidency, we love our sisters. We love them. I personally have um, prayed to feel that love from the beginning of my calling. And I have been blessed with that. You know, we can pray for love. And we love our sisters. And we are just so amazed to see all the things that every woman, every sister in this church is doing to build up the kingdom of God. Sometimes we are so hard with ourselves and we think that we are not doing enough and that we are not good enough. But you are good enough. The Lord takes your offering. And we just need to rely on His and trust on His grace to know that He magnifies our efforts. I would just want to, uh, every sister that is listening to us today to remember that we, each of us is a daughter of heavenly parents, that we have inherited a divine nature from them. And that allows us to do so many things that sometimes we cannot even imagine that we can do. And that we are loved in a way that we cannot even imagine. And uh, we are all brothers and sisters. We really do need each other. Uh, we just need to put our hearts, our hands, our brains together <laughs> to make this a better world. And we, we know about Jesus Christ. We need to talk about him. We need to tell people about what he offers us, about his grace and the hope that we can receive from him. And I know that he sees our faith. I love the story of those people that brought that man who suffered from palsy, that they came through the roof because they could not bring him to him. And it says in the scriptures that the Lord saw their faith. He saw the faith of those friends who brought that man to him. He saw his faith too. And, and I think that he can see our faith. When we try to bring others to him, he can see our faith and he blesses us. And he has the power, like I said before, to make us whole, to clean us, and to make us worthy to one day come back to the presence of our Heavenly Father. So just remember that you are loved, that you have a Savior, and that you have people around you that love you. And that we also need to be aware of the miracles that are happening around us. There are always miracles happening. Let's just open our eyes and our ears. And I just want to tell them I love them. Thank you so much for sharing your testimony of Jesus Christ and, and that reminder that that is what our faith is centered in and what it's all about. And to our listeners who have enjoyed this conversation thus far with Sister Alberta, we are so excited to continue this conversation next week in a second part where we get to dive in a little bit deeper to discuss a conference talk that Sister Alberto gave in General Conference last year about mental health and some personal experiences. So we'll look forward to that conversation next week. 
And thank you for tuning into this episode. If you're enjoying what you're hearing, please take a moment to leave us a rating or review on whatever platform you get your podcasts. And you're welcome to reach out to Carly and me with any ideas that you have or any feedback that you have. You can email us at podcasts at churchofjesuschrist.org. We'd also love for you to share with your friends and family, especially if there was somebody that you thought of during this conversation, um, a friend or a neighbor or a sister or your mom, just share with them. Pass that along. Pass that along. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Until next time, I'm Shailen Back. And I'm Carly Guyman. Thanks so much. Thank you.